All right, this morning we're going to finally get started. Um, I'm glad everything happened the way it did this morning because I had major, major computer issues trying to get the study sheets printed, so that was kind of fun. Um, but we're going to be going over uh, this material. We actually covered a lot of this material about two years ago. It's hard to believe it's been two years ago that we did our series on prayer. So I took it, I tweaked it just a touch, um, but I want to go through this because um, as I was really studying and thinking and praying through this material uh, over the course of the last week here and there, because um, this past week I was on vacation, and, um, and I was going through some of this stuff, number one, it was very, very convicting to me um, because I was thinking about uh, when we went over this two years ago, how a lot of these things, I have just gotten so busy in my life that I've neglected a lot of what I taught. And first of all, that's super convicting. Anytime you teach the Bible, like those of you that have been in vacation Bible school and you've taught the Bible to some of these kids, and then you don't do what you, what you say, <laughs> um, it's very, very convicting. Um, same goes for your friends and stuff at school. And so I was going through this material. I'm like, number one, I was very, very convicted. But number two, I was just really convinced, especially after doing our series on Laodicea and even talking about the end times last week, um, that I believe that our number one problem in Laodicea is prayer. I think that this is the one thing that we neglect more than most things. Um, at our church, we love the Bible. And I think you guys are taught the Bible a lot ever since you have been little kids all the way up. Um, any amount of time. I mean, the things you guys learn in this class alone, if you just take them and retain even a fraction of what you guys get in this class over the period of a year, you get more than most adults do in most churches in America. And that's not a bragging statement. I don't mean it that way. It's just it is what it is because we preach and teach the Bible. I want you guys to be able to leave the senior high with a good grasp on the scriptures. Um, some of you guys are going to go away to school. Some of you guys are going to do something where your career is going to take you elsewhere. And I really want this to be a good foundation place for you so that way when you go off into the future, you actually know what you believe and why you believe it. So that's something that's just been very deep in my heart ever since I've, I've just taught the Bible. Even when I was in the junior high, I gave more Bible to the junior hires because I wanted to prepare them for the senior high. And that was just kind of my heart attitude. And that's not a bad thing. And I'm, not, I'm never going to say it's a bad thing. But I do think that there is um, a lot of truth in what the scriptures say in the book of Proverbs where it says that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. So I've been thinking a lot about this because I think that we get a lot of Bible, um, but I think at the same time we neglect prayer. And as a result, we can have a major false balance in our life. You can know a lot about the scriptures, but you're not doing anything about it because you're not really talking to God about it at all. And probably the best example that I could think of in my mind as I was just going over this and over this and over this is, all right, so <clears throat> let's say you got yourself a 9-volt battery, all right? And so you got your fat end over here, and then you got your little end over here, okay? So when you take that 9-volt battery and you take that connection and you have that connection piece, you know, a lot, some of them, especially with like, you know, different RC cars and things like that, they have a little thing like this that goes over top of it and it snaps in to both places. In order for that connection to actually work and provide power to go to whatever it's powering, I mean, how does how is this supposed to work? Explain this to me. Electricity goes out of the positive end into yep. the thing, finds resistance, does work, comes back, goes back into the negative end. Yes. So if this portion 
is just slightly off. Is it going to work? <laughs> it is not going to work. Both have to be connected. It has to have a solid connection between both or else nothing can work. So when I look at this, I look at this as almost like, okay, you have a power source in your life. And what is that power source? Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, also called the Holy Spirit. Okay? Alright, so you have the Holy Spirit, and He's in you. He has all the power that you could possibly want to do anything that God wants you to do, to follow God's will in your life. But in order for that to happen, you have two connection points. And what are those two connection points? Reading and praying. Yes. So, Bible, reading, whoops, whatever. Reading, <laughs> Bible slash reading, and then you got prayer. How in the world do we expect God's power to actually work in our life if you have no relationship? If you're not reading what he has told you and if you're not talking to him, it's never going to work. Like this is stuff that we've talked about, I mean, since a long, long time ago. I mean, if I had you in the junior high, we talked about the basics of communication. And we talk about this all the time in here. In order to have a relationship with somebody, you have to have two forms of communication. What are they? Talking and listening. It has to exist. And so I think that in our Laodicean culture, that we have convinced ourselves that you can have one and not the other and be okay with God. I mean, am I right about this? What, I mean, just think about your own life. Have you convinced yourself that you and God are okay, you're on the, on, on the same terms, you're on the same team, you're, you're walking in the will of God, but one of these two things, or both, don't exist? I think this is the biggest thing that's lacking in Christianity today. I think there's a lot of people that are doing what they did back in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel that are trying to build their own way to God through their emotions, through their experiences, through their feelings, through redefining Jesus so he's not offensive to whatever. And this is not a legalistic approach because, you know, somebody said, well, I don't need to read my Bible to be a good Christian. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, I don't need to pray to be a good Christian. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. I mean, if that was the case, then when you look in the scriptures and you open up your Bible, then Jesus, who was the word of God incarnate, by the way, who also opened up the scriptures in the temple, and he taught the word of God to his people, you see him praying more than anything else. I mean, you see him teaching, you see him, you know, discipling, you see him, but you see him praying. You see him praying. You see Jesus praying more than opening up the scriptures. So this is something that I've just, you know, have not gotten over ever since I've thought about it. But then in the series of events of life and different things, I've let it get away. And then coming back to it, this is why I wanted to end the whole doctrinal studies on this, where it's very, very practical, very simple, but very doctrinal. Because this is something that's very, very important. So I would say, if I were to take a test in this room, I would say that many of us are very inconsistent with our Bible reading. Many of us. Or we might read maybe one day, 
two days, maybe four days, maybe all five days, but only like maybe 15, 30 minutes, something like that. And we all may get into the Bible, but I would say for the most part, most people in here probably struggle getting their Bible on a weekly basis. And I would say even more than that, we struggle with prayer. How can we do anything that pleases God if these things are not existent in our life? If these things do not exist, how do you expect to get God's direction in your life? If these things do not exist, how do you know that what you're doing on a daily basis is the exact things that God wants you to do? Answer. You don't. You can't. It's impossible. And this is why I believe most Christians in Laodicea struggle with being Christians. And they end up looking more like the world than they do like Jesus because they're not spending time with God. They're just not. And I'm just asking you, look at your own life like I'm looking at mine and just ask yourself, maybe the reason why I have struggled so much with being a faithful Christian is because I'm not spending any time with God. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the more time you spend with God, the more you're going to be like him. The Bible describes God as a consuming fire. If you get close to fire, what's going to happen? You'll get burnt. The fire will spread. If you stay far away from the fire, what will happen? You get cold. Just that simple fact alone in nature should let you know that the more time you spend with God, the more you're going to be like him because he will consume you. So then the question is this, before we get into the whole prayer thing, because we need to test our hearts and get some motives right. So the question is, do you actually want to be like God? Or have we just been fooling ourselves and playing the Christian game and really we want nothing to do with God, but we don't want to look like a fool and my family goes to church and I've been associated with God my whole life and so I'm just going to keep doing this thing and I'm going to do enough, I'm going to do just enough of Christianity to get by and make everyone think that I'm okay and in the meantime, I might think that God thinks that I'm okay and I'm deceiving myself in the process and really you just don't want anything to do with God. You don't want anything to do with the Bible and eventually those decisions and those hard attitudes will come out later in life like maybe when you get out of high school and you start living on your own for the first couple of years or towards the tail end of your senior year like a lot of people do where they just completely burn out. Um, is, that, is that you? Is that you? Because people that really want to know God They will spend time with him. And people that spend time with God, it's really clear they spend time with God. It's very clear. It's not something that they have to manufacture. It's not a face that they have to put on. It's not a garment that they put on on a certain morning to look different. They just are different. They are different. So it really comes down to what do you want? What do you want? What kind of person do you want to be? So... With that said, we're going to start talking about learning how to pray because I think that this is something that is highly neglected in our life. And so there's some questions you guys need to answer yourself. And I think before we even get into this, you know, one of the questions that you need to ask yourself is, do I really want to know God? Do I really want him to change me? Do I really? I mean, do I really want God to change me? Or no. I'm like who I am. I want to be who I want to be and forget God. And if that's your case, you know, then so be it. That's a decision that you make, and you have the freedom to make that. I would tell you that you're making a giant mistake. 
And you may not realize it in this moment, but you will realize it one day. And I hope it's not too late. But you're going to have some massive regret. Massive, massive regret. I've walked that road. I'm tempted to walk that road all the time in Laodicea. But I've walked that road before when I was your guys' age. And it led me down a path that was a disaster. And it broke my heart. It broke the hearts of the people that I love the most. And I never want you guys to go there. I never want you guys to go there. Um, But if you choose to go there then um, so be it, and I pray that God would be gracious to you. Okay, let's talk about this, learning how to pray. Learning to pray. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 11. Luke 11. We're going to go through just a few things, and um, I wanted to have more time this morning so we could pray. So we're going to end what we're going to talk about today uh, with you guys praying individually. Um, just in between you and the Lord, because that's where it first begins. And we're going to talk about that a little bit as we go through um, some of this stuff. But um, but this is going to be one that's really going to challenge us. All right, Luke 11. Verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord... Teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we'll stop there, because we're going to get into some of this other stuff in the weeks to come. All right. So the first thing here in verse 11, I want you to look at this. When you read your Bible, read it slow. There's some details that we tend to overlook and miss all the time. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So the first thing that we notice from this verse is that he was praying, but he prayed where? In a certain place. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want you to notice that. He was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, what happened? When Jesus stopped praying, what happened? Yes. Why? So the disciples asked him, teach us. Why? They saw him pray. They wanted to do it just like he did. So they saw him pray. They heard him pray. They felt him pray. I mean, think about that. And when he ceased, what did they think? So they saw it, they heard it, they felt it. What did they think? I mean, imagine yourself in that situation, Timmy. We want to be able to do that. What else? There's something else I want to to point out. It's related to that. Come on. Think about it. Think about yourself in that situation. You're with Jesus. He prays, you hear him pray, you see him pray, you feel him pray, and you want to pray like that. Okay, good. What else? What's that? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. What else? Yeah. Yep, they greatly desired it. Okay. Something, I'm, I'm waiting. Go ahead, Jamie, see if you got it. Okay, 
let's capitalize on that for a second. Think about this. These were Jewish men. Did they know how to pray? Yes. Yes, they grew up praying. They grew up praying in the synagogue. They grew up praying in their houses. They grew up praying with their parents. They grew up praying. They prayed. I'm sure these guys prayed when they were out on the ship when they were fishing. They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. But then, then, Jesus showed up, and Jesus prayed, and then they realized, I have no idea what it means to pray. Can you imagine being in that circumstance? For these guys to be able to look at Jesus and say, teach us to pray. How long have they prayed? Now, this is a great point just to capitalize on for a second. Because a lot of you guys have grown up in church. You've grown up around Jesus. You've grown up around the Bible. You've grown up around a form of godliness. And you've seen other people have it. But then there comes a day, hopefully. And then for some of you, you've already crossed over this point. There comes a day where you're like, I don't have that. I don't, whatever that is, I don't have that. And then you have to humble yourself and say, teach me. My kids are some of the most arrogant little people that I know. And most kids are that way, by the way, in case you didn't know. Over the course of the last week, like, for example, Lucas has never played baseball. Okay? Never played baseball. So he's like, hey, you know, Dad, can we go do something? Like, and I'm like, yeah, what do you want to do? He's like, well, let's go outside and play catch or maybe I can hit. And I'm like, perfect. He's getting ready. He's never played baseball yet. He's going to be starting to play on a Little League team this year. So I take him out. I start to set up the tee. And so then he gets the bat out and everything, and I'm starting to talk to him. And then he, we put the ball in the tee, and then he starts to swing. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not doing it right. He's like, Dad, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, no, you're not doing it. I know what I'm doing, Dad. I said, all right, fine. Do what you want. I'm going inside the house. When you want my help, come and get me. And I left him outside. Because he, he, well, he knew everything. <laughs> he knew absolutely everything. And so I'd have a long talk with him afterwards. I'm like, Lucas, have you ever played baseball? Yeah, I played with Luke across the street. No. Have you ever played baseball? No. Okay. I've played baseball. I was really good at baseball. I mean, really good at baseball. I was. I'm not, it's just the way it was. And so I'm like, I know a thing or two or 10 or a million things about baseball. I can teach you and you can be better than me if you're willing to listen to what I have to say. I don't know if it clicked with him or not, but I see that illustration in my kids. And I think about us and I think about how arrogant we are. And I think about how prideful that we are, that we think that we've got this thing down when we don't have a stinking clue. And God is just waiting for us to say, would you just humble yourself? I kind of know what it means to have a relationship. Like learning from Jesus, who was God, who had the best relationship with God. I kind of know a thing or two about how how to have a relationship with, with God that would be fruitful, that you'd be able to actually go out and live the life you're supposed to live. If you just humble yourself and say, would you please teach me? When was the last time you approached God like that? Or do we knock on God's door just because we're so comfortable being there and we tell God to do X, Y, and Z because that's what he's supposed to do in our life? So I think that we're very, 
very arrogant towards God. I think that we are very condescending towards our Lord by how little we treat him, by how little we actually commune with him. Um, And it shows by how much time we spend with him here and here. And he can't do anything. He can't do anything because we're too arrogant and prideful to let him do anything. I, that's just, that's my opinion. That's how I think things are. I think that we are just so arrogant and we don't want God to change any aspect of our life when really that's our deepest need and we don't even understand it, but we're so selfish that we don't even want to understand it. I mean, you have no idea. I don't have an idea. I mean, I have a sliver just because I'm a little bit farther along than you guys, but you guys have no idea what God can do with you. Like this whole concept that you have about your own life and what you want is trash compared to what God wants for you. I mean, absolute trash. And until you're willing to consider that maybe you're wrong and he's right and humble yourself and ask him for help, you might be able to begin to understand it. But this is where I think that we are falling so short. And I think that if you were to exercise this aspect of your Christian life, everything would change. Everything would change. All right, let's keep going a little bit. All right, so I'm going to read this statement and then I want to just read a few insights about prayer, about learning to pray, and then, um, and then we'll close things out for the morning. All right, so think about this. Prayer is the manifestation of your personal, intimate relationship with God. No one else hears, no one else sees, hears, or experiences your personal prayer life. Only the Lord. No one else hears it. Your personal prayer life. I'm not talking about corporate. I'm talking about your personal one-on-one time with God. No one else sees it, hears it, or experiences it except for God. So, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are known by God. You're known by God to be faithful in personal prayer. It's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus Christ if you are not praying to him personally, one-on-one, each and every day. It's impossible. It's impossible. Just like it's impossible for you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and you spend zero time in God's word. And so, we would be, it would do us very, very well for us to stop fooling ourselves and actually just be honest. So... Listen to this as we go through it and read through it as I read through it. Here's a few insights about learning to pray. <clears throat> his own praying, talking about Jesus in Luke 11, his own praying awoke within them a desire to be able to pray. And when they wanted to pray, they found they did not know how. All true prayer, the prayer that prevails, is personal, intimate, and original. Prayers are measured neither by time nor by number but by intensity. There's no way to learn to pray, but by praying. No reason philosophy of prayer ever taught a soul to pray. The subject is beset with problems, but there are no problems of prayer to the man who prays. We don't know what gravitation is. We don't know what enables us to keep on our feet when we stand up. We don't know what electricity is. We don't know what heat is. We don't know anything about magnetism. We have a lot of hypotheses about these things, but that is all. But we do not let our ignorance about these deprive us of their use. We discover by using. We learn by practice. Though a man should have all knowledge about prayer, and though he understand all mysteries about prayer, unless he prays, he will never learn to pray. Prayer touches infinite extremes. It is so simple that a little child can pray. And it is so profound that none but a child heart can pray. Such a life of prayer costs. It takes time. 
Hurried prayers and muttered litanies can never produce souls mighty in prayer. To become skilled in art and mechanism, learners give hours regularly every day that they may become proficient. Our Lord rose before daybreak that he might pray, and not infrequently he spent all night in prayer. All praying saints have spent hours every day in prayer. One is afraid to quote examples. In these days, there is no time to pray. Without time, and a lot of it, we shall never learn to pray. It ought to be possible to give God one hour out of 24 all to himself. Anyway, let us make a start in the discipline of training in prayer by setting apart a fixed time every day for the exercise of prayer. We must seriously set our hearts to learn how to pray. The reason so many people do not pray is because of its cost. The cost is not so much in the sweat of agonizing supplication as in the daily fidelity to the life of prayer. It is the acid test of devotion. Nothing in the life of faith is so difficult to maintain. The great souls have become mighty in prayer and rejoiced to spend three and four hours a day alone with God were once beginners. Reading through that, what's your reactions? What are some of your thoughts? Yep. If you want to have a super strong prayer, like it takes time, it's not just going to happen like that. Yep. It's going to take time. What else? Say hours. Like that hurts. Mm-hmm. Three to four hours a day alone. Like, I don't even know. It, like, we were just talking this morning. We don't even know what it's like to be bored or alone kids running around so I'm like wow to have four hours alone with God like that takes me over three years. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that's like yeah um for me I, I whenever we as a church go through a lesson of prayer or whatever I always get overwhelmed and I feel like a lot of people set themselves up for failure like yeah. we make high goals but I love part where it says prayer is not met prayers are measured neither by time nor by number but by intensity and then that part about hurry prayers and muttered litanies can never produce souls mighty in prayer um just it doesn't matter how long you do it or anything like that but just how deep and how much do you love the lord Mm -hmm. to just have that relationship and conversation with him Mm -hmm. even if it's five minutes I, i like that yeah, and I think that's why it even says in there that in this day and age that we don't have time to pray. You know why we don't have time to pray? <clears throat> I mean, think about it. Think about your life. Think about the week. Why do you not have time to pray? And why is that an excuse that you use a lot? Here's how, you know, because my life can go this way. There are days where, like, I'm go, 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 go. Finally get the kids in bed, and I'm like, and then what do I do? When you get a moment, when you get a moment after you do all the things that you do, what do you tend to do? What do you do? Stare at the wall. And drink water. Spend some time. In other words, 
spend some time with me. The moment we get any ounce of time, who does it go to? Self. It goes to self. It goes to self first. We get a moment of downtime where we can relax. It goes to self. What if, what if when you start to go to self, you repent and you spend that time with God? What if, just throwing a crazy idea out there, (laughs) what if you were to do that? Have any of you ever done that? There's been periods in time in my life where I've done that. And guess what I have experienced? Growth, peace, greater understanding about almost everything else in my life. When I revert back to self and I go back inward, nothing gets accomplished. So just think about that. That's why, you know, there's a lot of people, and I'm not saying that you have to, you know, get up in the morning and you have to spend time with God in order to be a strong Christian. I'm not saying that. But that is a pattern that you do see in the scriptures. It is a pattern. You see Moses going up. You see Jesus getting up before the break of the day. You see, I mean, David talks about in the Psalms. I mean, there's, there's patterns of that. Because when they wake up in the morning, and this is how you are, and this is how I know I am. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I want to do is whatever I want to do. What do I need to do to get myself ready for the day? Maybe I can sleep a little bit longer to try to rest myself or I'm hungry for whatever, or I need to get my butt moving, or I'm going to be late. And if I'm late, then it's going to make me look bad. It's all about me, 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 me. But instead, what if we were to wake up, and instead of being about you, it was about the Lord first? Or when you get some downtime somewhere in the day, rather than it being reverting to you or somehow you manipulating things in order for you to have your own time and that you've justified it because you spent enough time with God that now I can spend this time with him, you know, or I, I spend this time with me because I spent this time with God. Instead of doing that, why don't you just be honest and just spend some time with God because you know that you need to. See, there's things that we do. We jump through these hoops and we make ourselves and we justify all these decisions that we make and then we slap God's name on it when God has nothing to do with it. So we need to be very, very careful because God sees our heart. He sees your motives. He sees your intents. He sees what you're doing. And so you might be fooling everybody else. You might even be fooling yourself, but you never fool God. You never fool God. And that's hard for me to say because I'm preaching this. I'm teaching this today. And he knows my heart. And he knows that I have totally slacked off on this particular area of my life. And so I'm not just pointing my fingers at you. This is us. This is who we are. This is Laodicea. It's terrible. No wonder why God wants to vomit us out of his mouth. Because he has a people that belong to him that want nothing to do with him. He died. He bled and died and redeemed you And we are the one generation of the church age that desires to spend the least amount of time with him, thinking that we are somehow producing all-stars in the Christian church and actually doing something in this world. It really amazes me of how far that we've come in our own thinking and in our own ways, not realizing that we are the farthest from God of all the church ages even from churches that didn't even have a completed Bible because they were running for their lives being persecuted. And we have no excuse because we have the Bible in print. 
we have access to however many copies we want at any given time. We have it digital. We can search it. You realize 100 years ago, they could not, they did not have a thing called Blue Letter Bible where they could take a word and search through the scriptures. They actually had to do it the hard way by actually reading it. <laughs> I mean, lazy, but the people that should know the Bible the most know it probably the least. And it's not because we don't have access to it. It's because we don't have access to it here. It's very important that we really get this stuff this morning. All right, so we're over time, and so here's what we're going to do. On the back side of your guys' study sheet, there's three points, and I want you to look up these references later. There are three things that I wanted to cover this morning. Pray with a good heart attitude. Pray with honesty and openness toward the Lord, and pray according to the pattern that Jesus gave. So if you don't know where to pray, there's a pattern out of Luke 11, Matthew 6, that Jesus gave to follow a pattern. It's a pattern. You don't read it verbatim and pray those exact words. That's where a lot of people get that completely wrong. It's a pattern. It's a way to pray. And so the things that are taught there, I mean, quite amazing. So as you go through it and you see the different aspects of he teaches them how to pray, you talk to him as if he's your father, that he's holy, that his kingdom, his will be done. So important. But the first two things are, are as equally important. Pray with a good heart attitude. There are days where I may not have a good heart attitude towards God. And so that's where I have to revert to point number two. Pray with honesty and openness towards the Lord. He wants a real relationship with you. A real and honest relationship. If you don't know how to pray, how do you talk to another person? And maybe you just struggle talking with people. Start talking with people. Think about what you're doing and do that to God. Talk as if he's just there right in front of you. Be open and honest with him. Yes, be respectful, but be open and honest with him. And have a good heart attitude. Know who you're talking to. If you really want to learn how to pray, you start talking to God and you be open and honest with him about everything. When you're mad, talk to him. When you're hurting, talk to him. And be honest. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't mask what you're saying. He knows what's going on in your heart. Just tell him like it is. This is something very important that you guys need to get. Most people never get there. They have these canned prayers and they think they have to approach God a certain way in order to give him what he's due in order to get favor from him. That's no different than going to the Roman Catholic Church and taking mass and confessing your sins to a priest expecting God to bless you. You can't do that. That's religion. You cannot approach God religiously. You you approach him relationally. You approach him real. This is real. We don't follow some fake God that someone made up. We don't do that. This is the real God, the living God. And so as you approach him, be open and honest. And as you talk to him, talk to him as if you'd talk to somebody else. And maybe you've never been able to talk to somebody open and honestly. If, you, if that's you, I'm sorry. You should be able to have that with somebody. And if you don't have that with any person, you certainly can have that with the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you start doing that, if you start actually having that kind of a relationship with God, it will change so many other things in your life. It will change so many other things. So pray with a good heart attitude for sure, but pray with honesty and openness. And as you pray with honesty and openness, he will give you a good heart attitude if you're really being honest with him. And then there's the pattern that you can follow. But we learn by doing And you need to actually start doing it. And so that's my challenge to you guys this week is for you guys to actually do that. So it's um, 8 after 10. um, So we really don't have a whole lot of time for you guys to pray personally. Um, So I'm going to pray. And then next week we're going to carve out some more time in our lesson. 
uh, for us to pray individually and together. But I'm going to pray really quick just for us to really apply these things and then we can get out of here. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your goodness and patience towards me and my life. And um, I'm sorry about this particular area of my life. And um, and I do pray that you would help me to uh, change my ways and and repent from the patterns that I've established in my own life, that I would uh, be different and um, that I would make the changes that are necessary. Um, because I know the things that you want to accomplish in me and in my life. And I think a lot of times that I hold you back from doing the things that you want me to do because I'm just flat out selfish. And I could say the same for everybody in the room. And so God, I pray, Lord, that we would have a good heart attitude towards you I know there are some in this room that don't care about these things at all, uh, that don't want to talk to you, that don't want to have anything to do with your Bible, and it's clear by the decisions that they're making in their life. And it really breaks my heart. And so, God, I pray that you would break them. I pray that you would teach them um, that you've been so good to them and that their life belongs to you. And I pray that you would be gracious to them. But, God, if it means that you have to do something terrible in their life in order for them to wake up and to see the truth, then I pray that that would happen. And I don't mean that um, uh, to be mean. I don't mean that to be um, something that's just just something else to say. Or It's the truth. Because we all belong to you. And we all need to wake up out of the selfish comas that we put ourselves in on a daily basis. And so I pray, God, that you would do whatever you want. You deserve all the honor and glory. And I'm afraid that we've just not given enough of it to you. And so I pray that you would... Um, Just do whatever you want, God, and I pray that we would obediently follow. And so, God, I do love you, and uh, I want to thank you for your grace again and for your patience. You've been so good to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.